You're listening to the True Life Church Podcast. To learn more about True Life Church, including our service times in Melbourne, Florida, visit us online at truelifemelbourne.com or find us on Facebook. Today's message comes from one of our favorite guest speakers. Uh, Welcome this morning. Uh, You guys, how are you all doing? I do generally, genuinely want to welcome all of you here um, today. As you can, as you can tell, we are continuing our series. Uh, I, I'll, I'll introduce, I guess. My name is Brad Decatur. I serve as one of the elders here um, at the First Church of the Refrigerator, and we just uh, we welcome you here, and we continue. Uh, we continue our series. Well, actually, we're not we're not specifically continuing, but as you can see, we are in the middle of a series uh, that is bringing Christ back to the center, right? And we've set up and we've established. A visible, visual, visual, visual of this uh, here. Not, not that the band is the point, not that I'm the point, but that God is the point, right? And as we bring everything back to Him, we just want to bring Him to the center and bring Him to the forefront. When you join me in prayer, Lord God, I, I pray that we can do that this morning, Lord, that we. that we do truly seek to just find you. Um, Lord, and as, as we just, we'll, we'll discover today that you've revealed yourself to us. And Lord, that we look for that. Please open our minds and open our hearts um, to your word today. Lord, speak through me. Um, this isn't about me at all. Um, I'm standing here in the middle, um, and people are watching me, but this is not about me. I, I, Lord, I pray, that, I, I pray that through me, people will be drawn closer to you and recognize the loving father that you are creator sustainer of everything and that you've made a way for us to spend eternity with you in your name we pray i as we this visual here of uh in the middle it really does help us to focus on bringing god back to the center right and as we do that i think we we come to the realization that we we need that. There's something that has caused a lack of joy, a recession in our heart and our soul um, as we continue on our daily lives without Christ, where we, we go and we, we, we move past the things that he has planned for us and we move on to our own endeavors, our own plans, our own pursuits. And it's just, it's striking to come back, and I thank you for the band this morning, just to, to really bring us to that spot where we go, do we really rely on Christ? Do we really focus on him? Do we really make him the center? I'm sorry, he might be the behind me most of the time. The, uh, um, but we just desire, we really do, to bring God back to the center, back to this position of authority and power, and at the seat of where he belongs in our lives, Right? I pray that that's, that's what's going on in your heart and what's going on in your mind. Um, and only God can, can, can continue that in you and can bring that desire about in you. But, but God does reveal himself. And that's what we're going to talk about today. I'm not continuing Josh's message um, on, on bringing Christ back to the center. He'll continue that. But on a, a branch of that, on a, a vein of that, is as we look to God, that he reveals himself. 
He unveils portions about who he is, unveils uh, things about himself throughout time, throughout history, um, and in a variety of different ways. And that's what we're going to discuss today. If you haven't thought about it, um, the only way that we know anything about Christ or about God um, is that that he's revealed to us that he's made known to us. This isn't anything in our own power and our own wisdom and our own knowledge that we've just discovered God, right? But God has revealed himself to us in his presence. And as I was studying for this, it reminded me of uh, when I come home to um, home from work or home from something that I've been gone for a while. And, and uh, oftentimes it's my daughters, so Penelope or Margo, that are uh, meeting, meeting me at the door. Um, big grins, ready to share something, right? Arms behind their back. Guess what I did today? No, no idea what you did. No idea what you did today. But guess, right? They want me to guess. So I guess wrong, right? Guess again, wrong. Guess again. I no, no idea, right? 18 guesses later as I've come up with the most fantastical thing that anything you could even imagine way beyond, you know, you know, unicorns and whatever, you know, all these kind of strange things that, that could have absolutely nothing to do with probably what they did. Um, I will have no way of knowing what they have until they begin to start going, no, no, no. And then they give me hints, right? They give me um, little tips about what it is they've done, something they've studied in school, uh, something they've read about, something they've watched and they've been interested in. And they start to give me a glimpse of what that is. And only through that am I able to more rightly connect the dots, right? As I see, I actually, it, as I was thinking of that too, it's just a, a side illustration for those that can remember it um, in the 80s. Now, I was growing up, but in the 80s, and I went back and watched an episode last night because I thought it was hilarious. Does anybody remember the game show Concentration? This is for anybody that's probably older than this tall, right? All right, Concentration. Um, it cracked me up. Uh, you, you guys should look it up online because it just cracked me up, the old game shows. Um, just how they did it. But in, in a sense, what it is is uh, the game of memory um, with an image behind it. And these images were covered by uh, approximately 25 squares. Uh, they were each connected with, uh, with a partner. Square one might be connected to square 25. And when you created the match, that, that uh, image was deleted and the image behind came through. And slowly, surely, slowly but slowly, um, an image would be revealed. Uh, and the first person to guess that image would win all the prizes. There'd be no way to know what's going on behind those slides, behind those numbers, unless they are revealed. And God does that for us. God reveals things about himself to us. Sorry, I'm going to try to maneuver this wandering around and holding my Bible in the notes, so bear with me. Hebrews 1. Uh, this isn't going to be our main passage, but it's just Hebrews 1. It says, Long ago and at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. See, these stories throughout history, God revealed himself uh, through a variety of different people in a variety of different ways. Um, scripture tells us that through the prophets, he made himself known. He made himself aware to his people, um, to those that are following him, by sharing through typically one person, the prophet or um, that would detail 
his announcements and his plans, typically through the form of judgment oftentimes, um, but pronouncing those things and leading them to a better understanding of who he is. This is this, is this topic really of God's revelation. Uh, we'll get to a little bit more of that is, is what we're going to talk about today. Our main passage is actually going to be in uh, Psalm 19. If you guys want to go there, Psalm 19. Here we're going to talk about a theological term here. I'll set you up. It's general revelation. So before we read this passage, general revelation is really just what it sounds. God revealing himself in a general way, right? It's general because not only is it general in content, it's general uh, in, in what it's describing. It's broad, right? But it's also general because it's to everyone. It's to anyone uh, that's listening and is able to and is willing to see it. So you guys will follow along with me here in Psalm 19, verse 1. So the heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy, its rising is from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. The vastness of God is on display in his creation. The heavens declare, it says, the heavens declare that. I remember this was probably about 15, 15 years ago or so. Um, if you're familiar, there's a um, pastor um, uh, named Louis Giglio. I think he still does stuff, um, if I'm not mistaken. But he partnered up with Chris Tomlin to do a series uh, when Chris Tomlin came out with the song Indescribable. This tour uh, focused on... Um, that indescribable characteristic of God, right? And, and if, if you want to, I encourage you, there's actually lots of stuff. This, this topic is broad. Uh, you can look it up, but there's several different things this time that are interesting for you guys to look up throughout the week. But if you look up this indescribable series uh, that they did or tour that they did, Louis Giglio starts with the cosmos. He starts with these images, and I'm sure we've all seen them now living here on the Space Coast, that we've seen these images from satellites, from uh, just from space, the deep, far beyond vastness that is the great, gigantic creation of God, right? These nebula, these stars, these planets, um, that is declaring the power of God, the authority of God to do all of that. And yet, even down to the, as we come back into our um, back into earth and the day-to-day travels as the passage talks about from day to day and from night to night these things are being proclaimed the power of God the authority of God is being is on display here so we look at even just the rising sun the rising and the setting sun our day-to-day functions the simple thing why we call them simple but the, the, all the way down to our our very breath and from the cosmos to the itty-bitty ant walking on the ground God's creation and God's design and God's authority can be seen. Scripture calls that out and says this is God's creation, right? We have an evidence of the grand scheme of who God is.
If you'll turn with me to Romans 1. keep your finger in Psalms there, but in Romans 1.18. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth, for what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and his divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that he has made known. So they are without excuse. This past summer, it's been made a little bit more evident, or this this truth kind of was re-revealed to me. I, uh, as my family went to the Creation Museum and the Ark Encounter, um, if you're not familiar with those, uh, again, something else you can look into. Uh, the, the Ark Encounter is a life-size replica um, of Noah's Ark. Um, as it seeks from a Christian worldview uh, to display the science of God, right? Um, as God has displayed, uh, as God has set up in Scripture that Scripture is true, uh, and that Noah built his ark, and the flood happened, and they set up this display um, and portray in, uh, Christ uh, to those that come and visit. It's a remarkable sight. Um, in connection with that is the Creation Museum. And here in this point in Romans, it says that his divine... I'm sorry, his eternal power and his divine nature are made known. There were many displays in the Creation Museum, again, from the Christian worldview, that um, many cultures, almost all, I would probably argue, uh, many cultures, nations, people, people groups, tribes, have their own gods and understanding of this divine authority, right? This eternal power divine nature as they try to argue and explain creation, a worldwide flood, multiple stories of a, cre- of a creation story, multiple versions of a, uh, an explanation for a flood, multiple explanations for the life and afterlife. People try to explain these things because they're there, they're evident, right? They point to a God, they point to a divine nature, an ultimate authority, someone who's in control, a creator, an author, it's out there, right? God has revealed himself in that way. Paul describes it as well. You don't need to turn here, but in Acts 17, Paul is going to Athens, and he uh, comes across the, these objects of worship that the, that the people there are, are having, and they have uh, idols and things set up, and, and even one that they have set up to the God of the unknown. If we missed one, this is for that one, right? So they've, people have tried to label God tried to label gods and put it out there. People are noticing it's evident something is out there, right? Something is out there. God has made himself known, and we're going to explain as God gets a little bit more detail. But I mentioned before that this general revelation is not only general in the sense of his content, uh, but it's general in the sense of who it's to. And I want you to uh, look back here on, in Romans. I'm going to start back. Romans 1, we'll start back in 20. It says, for this, uh, for his invisible attributes, 
namely his eternal power and his divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things he has ma- uh, that have been made so they are without excuse for although they knew God they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened claiming to be wise they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for the images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things Therefore God gave them up to the lusts of their hearts, to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, amongst themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worshipped the served, uh, and worshipped and served the creature, rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. See this this focus on here is they. Who is they? They is everyone, right? Really, I mean historically, this is everyone. This is all of us. The creation is known, or God is known. Divine, his divine power, or his divine nature, and his eternal power are made known. But yet, what we often find, what we often find throughout history, and and as the Creation Museum kind of explained that these tribes and nations and people trying to explain all of this turned it around and started to uh, worship the things, the things themselves that were created: animals, birds, trees, the sun. Right? All these things are put out there. Themselves, They put themselves up on that idol. They put all these other things up there and they serve. And rather than noticing that something had to create that thing, they worship that thing, right? And they don't worship the God that's there. They're, they're, not, they're without excuse. We are all without excuse. And see, what happens is this continues on even today. Well, here, I'm, I'm going a little past myself here. Um, Psalm 14, 1. See, we recognize that there's power and authority in the world, but the Bible says that the people that don't recognize that are fools. Fort Psalm 14 1 says, The fool says in his heart, There is no God. They are corrupt and they do abominable things. There is no one that does good. The fool here is not an ignorant person. This isn't just some dummy, right? The fool here is you and me as a sinner. When we claim that God is not present in those things, we become the fool. We don't recognize what is actually going on here. We willfully deny God in favor of our own authority. It says they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. This is an aside, but I want to continue reading that. This is outside of that, but this passage is interesting. For this reason, God gave them up to, to dishonorable passions, for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And then men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameful acts and men receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to the debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. And they are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, and disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree for those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. 
Just as an aside, isn't it astonishing that that continues to be our world today? We continue to look at the things in the order that God has created through things, and we decide to make it our own. We decide to describe it as something different. We decide to give it our own power and our own authority and our own version and our own, our own version of truth, right? We all have our own version of truth. We can call it whatever we want. What fools we are sometimes. I'm going to go back to Psalm 19. Before I go there, I kind of want to bring out something specific again with the creation uh, stuff. I was reminded uh, and saddened over the last handful of years as we've, uh, our family, I guess specifically, as we've spent a lot of time and we enjoy, our kids enjoy uh, the creation aspect of that and, and different teachers and um, um, ministries that have helped to develop and show and demonstrate things like uh, uh, um the flood from a biblical worldview, right? How does this and how does science actually back that up? Things like dinosaurs, things like creation, things like all that kind of stuff is just fun to, to look back over. But what I'm, what I'm saddened by, again, is what we get this wisdom of the world. Um, and if, again, for those that can remember, um, Bill Nye, the science guy, um, what a, a great memories I had growing up of Bill Nye, the science guy, right? Uh, he was fun. Uh, it was it was good then, right? We think it was good then, right? I, I, I'm going to question that if I go back and look at it. Did you? <laughs> the uh, it, we have fond memories. I had fond memories of Bill Nye the Science Guy, and actually, actually Beekman's World. Do you remember yes. Beekman's World? Okay, all right. I'm, I don't know anything about Beekman now, but anyways, that's a, this is a different thing. Bill Nye the Science Guy was known, right? Recognized worldwide recognition for being just the man of science, right? Now, don't he is he is the science guy, right? Um, <laughs> Just, just known for that, and not only was he knowledgeable, but he was funny, right? And he was enjoyable to listen to. That man is wise in the world. That man knows nothing of Jesus. I would encourage you again to go listen to um, Bill Nye has a debate um, with actually the creator and founder of uh, the Creation Museum and. Uh, no, his name's Ken Ham. Um, they'd go through a debate. I would, I would argue the debate could have been better on, on both ends. Um, but the debate, as well as when the ark was completed, Bill Nye actually went to tour the ark uh, to get a guided tour by Ken Ham of the ark. And during both times, the debate and through the walkthrough, um, Bill Nye will attribute everything to science and absolutely nothing to God. Not even on his plate, not even on his radar. It is anything and everything that you can describe as long as it is not God. It is a statement of just, I, I refuse to bring it back to God. What foolishness. What foolishness.
so we started with general revelation, right? And it's general revelation because it speaks generally about who God is. And general revelation can be found in scripture. I'm sorry, in creation. But what that does, though, it tells us things about um, his eternal power, his divine nature. But as we get to know him more and we honor him and we thank him and we, we bring to light and we actually follow through with, rather than serving the created, we, we go and we seek and we, we seek out the creator. It opens our minds and our eyes to the understanding that we need something a little bit more. We actually need God's revelation in a special way. And there's another theological term. It's called special revelation, right? And this just means that God has made himself known to a particular people at definite times and definite places, and it has enabled them to enter into a redemptive plan, a redemptive relationship with him. This has happened all throughout with Moses and the apostles and the, the other writers of, of, of Scripture. See, general revelation can be found in creation, whereas special revelation is found in Scripture. And we're going to look at, at uh, what the psalmist writes here about God's revelation to us, specifically through the law that he's established. And we're going to see some parallels through a lot of these things. They're not parallels, but a continued theme, a pattern will emerge here as the writer describes multiple names for scriptures, multiple titles for scriptures, a description of what the scripture is, and then the effects of the scripture in our life. So as we start... It's windy in here, too. Verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. Romans 7:12 says, "So the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good." Right? Paul describes the effect of the law in that yes, it highlights our sin, but it is perfect, right? It calls out how we're to live in a perfect, right way. And this perfectness is not just perfect like as in without error, but it's complete and it's whole. We don't live in a world with a complete and a whole and just law, do we? Right? Things don't function the way they should, but the law of God is perfect. It's comprehensive. It covers all things. And the word of God leads us to a transformed soul. Our inner being right, can be transformed by this comprehensive law of God. Romans ten seventeen it says, So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Romans 1, 16 says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. There's power in the gospel of Christ. And Hebrews 4.12 says, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. See, nothing, nothing in this world has the power of the word of God. Nothing. Not our insight, not our, our thoughtfulness, not our philosophy. Nothing matches the power of the word of God to restore and revive our hearts. If you are a Christian today, you have felt that. You have experienced that. You have gone through that. There have been, I, I, I hope that there have been additional times in your life that you have found the reviving of your soul through what God has promised and God has said through his word. If, you've, if you have not, I encourage you, continue to read this. It's there. 
continue. It says, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Exodus 25, uh, 16, it actually describes God um, uh, re- referring to the Ten Commandments and they're to be placed in the, in the Ark uh, of the Covenant. It's his testimony, right? His testimony, if I were to testify in court, this is my explanation of my experience in a matter, and this is God coming down, giving his definition and experience on the matter to mankind, right? This is his testimony, God explaining that, his personal experience and his, his, his coming down in a personal way to interact with his, with his creation. What an amazing thing. Psalm 111.7 uh, says, The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. So with the law, when the law is spelled out and they're trustworthy and we can have confidence in them, it's easy to understand as well, right? Those are made simple. We're not, we're not left as Christians to wander the world going, I wonder what God has planned for me. I wonder what has. He's got it. It's here. It's made simple. It's made plain. It's spelled out and it's withheld through the ages. We'll keep going, okay? The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing in the heart. The precepts, these truths, this design order of God is right and correct, and it gives us peace. This, this one, just to illustrate this one, Lincoln, uh, my son here, my oldest son, and actually my, my second, um, Oliver as well, uh, they enjoy... Um, we enjoy talking about movies, comic books, things like that, but they enjoy to really quiz me on the idea of what... What superpower would I want? Or like, if you'd have any superpower, what would you want? What would that, what would that look like? Uh, we also enjoy things like, you know, Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter, different things like that in this fantastical world, right? Some magical thing that's happening. And, and we've talked about it before where, what, you know, what if that happened? Man, I really think that would be a scary thing to go and live in a world that just anything could happen at anybody's whim with no order and no... Uh, no perceived order to magic, right? As you see any movie with magic, Lord of the Rings, or whatever it might be, right? These things are just some, through some utterance, time has changed, matter has changed, your perception has changed. You would never have any idea if you were being lied to or if you were being deceived. Like, what a scary world that would actually live in, or you, to, to live in, if you actually had to deal with that. But what we have here is the precepts. These are right. These are pure. These are from God, from a biblical standpoint, from a godly standpoint on this. These are not those magical, changing things that we have to wonder and question about. These are God's ordained, true, trustworthy, clear pure things, right? They are right, and we can, we can follow them, and we can know that. A sad other connection I had was, was actually at work, right? So my job, policy, procedure, how do we do this? How do we do our job? How do we stay? Uh, how do we do things right? And the guideline is always, as long as you follow policy and procedure, you can't really go wrong, right? You might have a little bit of gray, but if you're in following policy and procedure, you're in the right area. Um, in a perfect world, that would be fantastic. That never works out that way. You never seem to be backed by your work, right? But, um, but it does follow through on a godly level. The perfectness of God, we can trust. His precepts are right. And in that, we can find joy and rejoice in that in our hearts, in our inner beings for that. We don't have to question what's going on. We can rely on God. Moving on. 
The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Psalm 12, 6 tells us that God's word is pure as refined silver, even refined seven times. Right? Can you imagine the purity and the clarity of that? We have the reassurance and the confidence that what he says is what he says. But the clarity also brings a realization, right? And, and if you will and if you can, if you've been in this experience, this is probably the most impactful way that I could illustrate this for you is anytime you're connected with a funeral, right? I don't know, I honestly do not know how to how someone who is not a believer can handle that. I don't get it. Right? As, as we believe in Christ, we have the hope of a future. But without that, what do you do with that? How do you handle that? How do you understand that? What do you do with heaven and hell? What do you do with right and wrong? What do you do with life after death? What do you do with any of those things? I don't even know how to comprehend that to you or to even explain that to you because I just don't know. I don't know, how, I don't know how you go through it. I don't know how to explain it. But what we have is the pure thing, right? What we know, and this is whether it's enlightening our eyes on a positive side or it's enlightening us in the element of despair going, oh crap, this actually is the truth. This is what happened to that person, right? We can be confident in God, and this is a, this is, it's a, it's a hard and it's a big topic when, we, when you deal with struggle in your life, but you know and you can have confidence that what God said is true, how differently does that change your situation, Right? A confidence that we can have as, as Christians is so different. It, it's, it's almost unexplainable. I honestly don't even know more how, how else to describe that beyond just the pure idea of, of, of reliance on who God is and what his word says to be true. Without, without that, I just don't even know. I think that leads sort of into the next one. This is the fear of the Lord is clean. I really got to get like paper clips or something. The, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. Okay, this fear, I'm sure everybody's gone through this topic before. This fear of the Lord is not, oh my, scary guy. Right, there's an element of that. But this fear of the Lord is awe and wonder on the power and the authority of who God is, okay? And what we understand this to be with the purity that we talked about before with, the, with the God's commandments and the understanding of who God is and how, he, how his character endures through all of that. This is a trustworthy thing. It says, Proverbs 1, 7 says, fear, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, Right? I can, I, can only, I, can, I can only put it this way. The respect that my kids show me, right, we'll, we'll call that the fear. The respect that my kids show me as their father, their provider, their teacher, uh, and their friend is different than they have of the fear of their father when he's angry and they don't know whether or not he's going to respond in love and in mercy or if he's going to go back to sinful nature and respond in a, in a completely un, unknown way. 
that fear is different. There's two different sides of fear there. I know what God, I know what my father has for me. I know the expectations and I have a respect for that. Or, oh crap, I don't know what's about to happen right now, right? We don't have that with God. We have the clean, pure, you know, um, right, perfect love and justice and law from God that endures forever, that it is awe and wonder for God who, yes, loves us and, yes, is just. He's, but he's always in control. He never sins and always responds with appropriate love and justice. We don't wonder about that. We know that. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. If we take God at his word and we have access to this pure, perfect, right, clean, right, word of God that revitalizes our soul, brings joy, brings peace, um, offers wisdom to the wise, enlightens our eyes, and is perfect in truth, what a difference that would make in our everyday. It's no wonder that he goes on to continue to say that we seek after it like fine gold. It's, it's, it's worth even more than fine gold, refined gold, even more than that. We value that because these are the things that we treasure, not gold, but the joy and peace and love and revitalized soul, right? Confidence in our Lord and God and that it's even more desirable than, than gold and treasures or honey, even honey from the comb, right? We sang the song today. We, like, he is more desirable than those things because we can trust him, we can rely on his word in our lives. Verse 11. Moreover by them, is your servant warned in keeping them there is great reward who can discern his errors declare me innocent from hidden faults keep uh, back my, your servant also from presumptuous sins let them not have dominion over me then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgressions see the psalmist writes in here that in ideally if we are to follow these things then we proclaim these things about God that he is claiming the rewards that are to be found in here following the law. He's allowing God to define for him what are the errors in his life. If we follow his law perfectly, it would allow God to declare us right, righteous in his sight. The law provides a way to abstain from sin, right, and living in such a way that is blameless and innocent. The unfortunate part is we know that that isn't possible. We have other scripture that that leads us and tells us Psalm 53 again, uh, as Paul quotes in Romans 3, it says there is no one righteous, no, not one. We recognize that this is there to do, but we are humans. We are sinful. And it says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. But Christ came, right? But Christ came not to abolish this law, but to fulfill it, Matthew 5.17 says. Uh, go to Romans 7, if you would. Verse 
Romans 7, 22. It says, For I delight in the law of the Lord in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man am I. Who will deliver me from this body of death? But thanks be to God, it says, through Jesus Christ our Lord, right? Through Jesus Christ, as we continue in uh, chapter 8, verse 1, it says, "There there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Praise be to God for Jesus, right? So through our general revelation, we have God making himself known and making it known that we need a more clear understanding and a revelation from God. This special revelation is through the person and the work of Jesus Christ, who walked this earth and made a path for us for redemption. He took the law that we could not fulfill, that we could not do, that we could not complete, and he completed it for us on our behalf. He paid the penalty that was due us. See, God revealed through special revelation, right? God revealed to us through his son at a specific time in a specific place. He came down, shed his blood for us. And now scripture says and continues to say that Jesus is the word. Jesus is God. Hebrews 1, 2, it says long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, right? We read that in the beginning. But... In the last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. In John 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him we have life, and the life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. My friends, God has made himself known through general revelation. We can see through his creation that there is a designer, an author, a creator that we should be worshiping and seeking after, not the created things, but that we should be seeking after him through his eternal power and his divine nature. And as we seek him, we come to the realization that we need his special revelation to tell us and to bring us closer to him. He spoke through the prophets and he established the law concerning our need for redemption. But when we go back and we bring him to the center of our lives, we call on his name, we can have confidence through the word of God that he speaks to us. And I know it's been mentioned before, um, but if you want to hear God speak, read your Bible. If you want to hear God speak audibly, read it out loud, right? He speaks life and joy, truth and redemption through his word, through Jesus Christ, the word made flesh. Psalm 19:14 to to finish up in that passage. The author or the um, the psalmist writes, "Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock 
and my Redeemer. But I want to submit that these are the words and these are the meditations that are acceptable to God. Romans 10, 9 through 10 says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised them from the dead, then you will be saved. John 14, 6, Jesus even declares of himself that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. God has made himself known. He has revealed himself to us in creation through his son, Jesus Christ, through his word. And we are without excuse. We are. It says it. We have the evidences there.